We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The score! This hour is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. I hope you we don't need this. I, I hope. I hope we can dispense with this soon. It would be nice if this is something that we didn't have to worry about. That I still think that we're at least you know a year from from really seeing the Bears take a a huge step forward. But you never know. Like Justin Fields has been really really impressive, and maybe we can we can see some things from him and. The way free agency goes this weekend, you're good to go. Hey, hey, Dan, before we do the football, yeah, our engineer Byron just told me that we have access to the field mic. Oh. So, the, I mean, they're, the White Sox are just starting BP. So the folks on Twitch can kind of see what's going on. And I think that's Andrew Vaughn that's actually in the box right now. So we can at least give people a little crack of the bat type stuff that's going on here so so lay out and we'll just listen to like a few seconds of it okay he's he's right now just describe it like he's doing all the bunt stuff now he's gonna take full swings get a little crack of the bad action crack sexy oh Very nice. Yeah, he has one of the rare sort of pretty swings for a right-hander. You usually don't see that. Nope. It's usually hard to describe a right-handed swing as sort of aesthetically pleasing, and that's how it's supposed to look. Oh, that feels good. All right, okay. I, sir, am on crack. Do they say crack door-to-door? He he has left the box. I think this is Sebi Zavala who is stepping in the box now, but... That just feels good on a, a cold winter slushy day. Mm-hmm. Having a little bit of the sights and sounds is... A little bit of crack! So the, the sights will stay up there. Twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 the score. Byron is handling the sounds, and he's doing an amazing job. of Thank you, sir. I appreciate you sharing that with us. All right. We promise super sexy football conversation. Uh-huh. Dang it. We are going to give you super sexy football conversations. First, can we can we go to your um, the the emotions that you felt yesterday when discussing Mike McGlinchey on our show and then discussing oh. Mike McGlinchey on the afternoon show? Yeah, I mean we we're kind of excited about it, and then Spiegel and I brought on uh, Bonte Hill, and he 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 just not only burst the balloon, he 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 burst the balloon. He picked up the pieces of the balloon and. Stomped on him and spat on him and lit him on fire. I do not love Mike McGlinchey, the football player, though. Uh, I actually cautioned somebody in Washington, D.C. a few weeks ago. And they're thinking, hey, we want to spend about $16, 17000000 on the right tackle, and we think Mike McGlinchey's a guy. And I said, 
Good luck with that. Have fun spending that money on him. Good dude. Okay player. He will struggle with pass protection. It will feel like an overpay if you give him that much money per year. In the run game, he's solid. I mean, he's going he's gonna to blow hope and holes. He's going he's gonna to be solid there. He's a road grader. But in pass protection in the league, in which you need to convert third downs, the money down, in which you need to give your quarterback time to throw against monster edge rushers, I don't know. And I'm looking at that division, Aiden Hutchinson. You know, Minnesota's got some dudes. Green Bay's always got some guys uh, who, who can rush the passer. I'm just not so sure about Mike McGlinchey, the pass protector. Now, unless you're going to run the ball every single down, great. You got yourself a bargain. But unfortunately, you can't run the wing T offense. You're not running a wishbone. You're not being like Barry Switzer's Oklahoma uh, Sooners back in the day where you're running the ball down. People start, you got to throw the ball a little bit. Speed gets them. Uh, power gets him because at times in pass protection, he's just off balance. His footwork at times could become atrocious uh, in terms of pass protection. So speed, power, doesn't even matter. And a lot of times the Niners said help over there. Now, you could do that because you have Trent Williams as your left tackle. But Mike McGlinch, he gets beat with both speed and power. So, yeah, that doesn't feel yeah. great, <laughs> yeah. does it? <laughs> So so yeah, and, and we've we've uh, that's a name that you should probably keep an eye out for yep. is Mike McGlinchey ending up as a bear. But it's not the only name that's out there as far as free agency goes. Mully and Haw had a great conversation with Brian Baldinger about offensive line, offensive linemen, offensive line play, and. We wanted to bring it to you to give you a little bit more depth in the knowledge before the Bears head into the, the, the free agency market or the draft. This is what he said about Orlando Brown because Orlando Brown is another – Orlando Brown Jr. Because he's another one of those guys that seems to be a good fit for the Bears. Here's what he thinks Orlando Brown is. I like Zeus. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. You know, he can uh, basically create his own solar eclipse uh, with his size. You want, you actually want Zeus on your team because he basically starts every fight and he finishes every fight. He just brings that mentality and attitude to the practice field and to the game field. You see him game day, the guy's got his game face on now. Uh, you know, you can't, you can't get him out of the zone that he's in. And so he wanted to be a left tackle. Uh, Baltimore wanted to pay him as a right tackle. Uh, he wanted to be a left tackle to kind of pay tribute to his father, who was a great player in this league, and he's playing left tackle. And the one thing about Zeus, he lines up and plays every play. He doesn't get hurt, doesn't miss games, doesn't miss practices. But is he the best? No, he's not. And so you just gotta you gotta go. Okay, but you got a mobile quarterback that you know can get out of harm's way when things don't go perfect for him out there on the edge because he's not the most athletic guy. But like you had a chance to get Zeus, I'd put him in my lineup, and I like Braxton Jones too but I might find a different position for Braxton if you're able to land Zeus. Brian, two things. So do you have any insight into what he's looking for on his next team? And the second thing is we hear this kind of suggestion that there might not be the most ideal scheme for a guy like Orlando Brown Jr., to which we have responded to, change your scheme because you need him. <laughs> well, I remember I did a game this year for the national radio, Kansas City and Buffalo, and the Chiefs lost the game at home. And I get a call from Zeus, like probably an hour afterwards. I'm in the stadium just doing some work. So he calls me and he goes, what would you think today? I go, well, you guys don't like to run the ball very much. And he goes, bingo. 
Like, he wants to go someplace where you run the ball. That's his forte, just leaning on people. That's what he wants to do. Now, look, you can't argue playing left tackle with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. You know, you got yourself a Super Bowl. But ultimately, he wants to be in a, in a running offense, and that's kind of what Chicago looked like to me last year. Hmm. You know, so, though, when he describes what Brown is or Zeus and what he's not, that's the trap of free agency. Because mm-hmm. you've got to resign yourself. You're going to overpay. That, that's, the, that's why teams would always prefer to build through the draft and have their own guys. That's just the nature of the enterprise. The, the guys who, are, who do become available are available for a reason. And there's always going to be a premium on them. There's another name we need to add to this mix, too. I don't know if you saw the news today that Ian Rappaport of NFL Network says the Tennessee Titans are releasing center Ben Jones. Yep. He began his career in Houston. He was a fourth-round pick in 2012. And he's 33 years old. I believe he's been a pro bowler four times. Is that right? I believe that's right. And that's exactly the type of guy that you would love to see. We, you're not going to get Jason Kelsey, probably. But you need to be able to find someone who you need to upgrade center for sure. You could make an argument that you have to upgrade all five of the positions on the Bears' offensive line. But you for sure have to upgrade center. So wherever you can find the help, go and get the help. And free agency offers them an opportunity to get some of that help. So does the the draft. I think that there are some interesting prospects at tackle and at guard in the first round for, for the Bears to take a look at, depending on what they end up doing with that number one pick and how they trade down. But since we're talking specifically about free agency, Baldinger went into breaking this down as it pertains to the rest of the offensive linemen that are out there. I like Mike McGlinchey. Uh, he's played some good football in this league. He's had some injuries. I like Jawan Taylor better. Mm. I like Isaac Sayamalo even more. People don't want to pay guards, but Jacksonville paid Brandon Sheriff last year, and that offensive line looked a whole lot better and a whole lot different this year, uh, protecting that number one pick. I mean, Isaac Sayamalo to me is the best offensive lineman in this whole free agent class. Like, nobody really talks about him because he's in Philadelphia and he got all these other great players around him, but that guy had an unbelievable season last year. He could do anything you want at, at, at guard. And he actually can play any position. He plays center guard tackle. He's played them all. But Juwan Taylor and Isaac Sayamala are two guys I would definitely take a look at. I think both those guys are really good players. There you go. I want to correct you. Uh, ben Jones has made just the one Pro Bowl, the most oh. recent 2022 Pro Bowl. So he was... Uh, Took him a while to arrive at that level, but he's yeah, 6'3", 308, 33 years old, and uh, was too expensive for a team that is uh, in the process of some kind of rebuild. It was it was really good to hear Baldy kind of working through some of this, and I didn't know that him and Orlando were that tight, but I guess Baldy and Orlando's dad were super tight, so he's known him since he was a kid. You know, um, so look, I, I know that there are, there are things that are imperfect about Orlando Brown Jr. Like, I get it that there, there are things that you say, well, it's not a, a perfect fit. At this point, 
the Bears have to just get better players. And like you said, they're probably going to have to pay a premium. Hey, Coom. Um, they're probably going to have to pay a premium to get better players on the team. So it, it's something that they've got. They're going to have to spend. Like That's the beauty of having $100 million is that you've got $100 million that you can put out there to try and make your team better. How's Coom doing? He's good. He's got he's got his water. He's got his shades on. I'm I'm just doing a descriptor, Coom, because they Dan asked how you were. Is he wearing that wonderful cologne? Yeah, I mean both of these guys smell amazing. Yeah, but whatever whatever cologne Coomer wears, I like. Dan, lay out. Coom's talking. So I, you've got the City Connect. They are spring training ready. Well, we're having a good time here. Well, you um, should because everybody—I know everybody's on, on pins and needles because it's the bragging rights. Game. It is. It is the bra- but you know what Pat said to me during the break? He goes, "Hey, did you did you go through the notes yet?" And I said, "No, I haven't had a chance to go through the notes." He goes, hey, "You need to. There's an item that you need to pay attention to." And I said, "Okay, what is it?" It's Megan Montemurro wrote a piece in the Tribune today where Willie Harris says that Pete Crow Armstrong is going to be one of the best 10 defensive center fielders that's ever played the game. What? Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. That's ever played the game? Yeah. Come on. I, I didn't say it. Come on. Scouts rate his defense as 80 grade. And, you and no one get gets an 80 grade. 80 grade. Vlad Jr. got 80 grade power. I mean, that's, again, an anomaly. Okay. All right. Let's see. I mean, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go find the quote from Megan and we can, you know, talk about it. But that is when you're talking about someone that here it is. He's here. Here it is. Cubs top prospect Pete Crow Armstrong's defense continues to impress. Quote, he's going to be one of the top 10 center fielders to ever play. To ever play Major League Baseball. That's... Then, you know, if that's the case, I don't care where his bat needs to go. Then put him on the damn roster right now. I mean... I'm serious. If, he, if, he, if this guy is at like Andrew Jones level, come on, then put him on the team. Then, then, you, then he shouldn't spend another day in the minors if you're talking about a guy who's one of the – if he's Willie Damn Mays. Well, well maybe, maybe he's not ready yet, but, but Devon maybe he's, White. he's projecting out King Griffey Jr. He's projecting out well, to be that. Ken Griffey Jr. for a very brief period of time. Still did it. Yes, before – it got real bad real fast, though. Yeah, after little, you know, he got a little, got a little husky. Well, was towards the, the end. Well, not just that with the injuries, you know. But yeah, that like Pat was like, "Hey, look at this." <laughs> so I said, "All right, I am looking at that." And then now, I I don't know if that's too much pressure for a, a PCA, but that's when someone says that about you. When a a a guy, what was Willie's defensive profile? You know, Mays. Like, no, Harris. Oh, <laughs> not Maze. I just mentioned Maze. I was, I was going to say good. <laughs> we know that Maze was real good. 
right. But when you when you've got a former major leaguer saying those things about you, it's pretty awesome. Come on, Willie! Come on, Willie! All right, we we continue to promise sexy sexy football, and we keep getting you know sidetracked with sexy baseball. Yeah, I'm sidetracked now. I'm I'm busy on fan graphs trying to look up the 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 best. Here here's a question. You don't want to drop Willie Mays into there also. Well, the, the question is, how many prospects have come up with an 80 defensive grade? Oh. Because I don't think there have been a lot, Dan. Felix P.A.? I'm just kidding. Stop it. How dare you? How dare you, sir? You know, they changed the filter things on fan graphs. This is bugging me. Okay, I'll, I'll find it. All right. So, oh, oh, what, okay. what's next in sexy football? Sexy football is now we're going to talk about offensive line construction. And. Olin Krutz had some great, great stuff about this that I wanted you to hear, and I want you to react to it. So you're going to hear it. Dan's going to react to it. We're going to discuss it. It's Bernstein and Holmes on the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Bernstein and Holmes, your midday destination for Chicago sports talk on 670 The Score. Bears. So before we get back to sexy football, here are the top 10 fielding center fielders of all time okay. by Fangraph's Total Zone. Your guy made the list, actually. Yeah. Uh, Willie Mays, Andrew Jones, <laughs> Kenny Lofton, Willie Davis, Kurt Flood, oh. Gary Maddox, Chet Lemon, Andre Dawson, Griff Jr., Bill Verdon. So you're telling me that means Pete Crow Armstrong. Is a according to Willie Harris, Pete Crow Armstrong is a will be a better center fielder defensively than one of them. Than one of them and the Anyone following: Marquise Grissom, Carlos Beltran, Omar Moreno, Tory Hunter, Lloyd Mosby, Juan Pierre, Richie Ashburn, Kirby Puckett, Willie Montanez, Mickey Mantle, Amos Otis. Oh, okay. okay. I used to run base like Juan Pierre. All right. Well, I, I hope he's right. Hey, hey, look. Hey. What? It, it, when we get prospects like this in other sports, we we don't just like poo-poo the idea of them being great. I'm not going to I'm not going to yuck the yum uh, of someone w- with major league credentials looking at Pete Crow Armstrong cool. and saying saying, "Hey man, that guy can go get it." We just got to stop going to Hawk Harrelson for he's his third baseman. You know, takes. He's not, you know, he's not Todd Frazier defensively. Ah! No, you know Todd Frazier. I gotta go check him. And you no know Tyler Saladino, who we know is Brooks Robinson. So no. Yeah, that was yeah, that was pretty bad. But I will say, all right. I just saw him. And <laughs> how is Stoney so funny with one word between the yep and the and? How is he so funny? Because if you know him, it's just <laughs> and. <laughs> and it's just like your pause. <laughs> How'd that go for you, Hawkeroo? And 
All right. I just saw him. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's true. <clears throat> All right. So we, we did promise people some more sexy baseball. So let's give them some sexy baseball. Football. Oh, you're right. I, we've been giving them the sexy baseball. Stupid now we got sexy give football. Them, now we got to give them sexy football. I had Olin on House of L. And, you know, we talked about broadcasting and his career and all sorts of other stuff. It's a really good episode where a lot of questions that people might have wanted answered are answered. Um, and you can go check it out. It was a few weeks ago. Dan was off at the time, but there was a portion of it that we brought Mike listened to it and we brought it back because we wanted you to hear it. And it has to do with Justin Fields and offensive line construction. Take a listen to what Olin had to say about all of that. It depends on body type and size and who he's playing with and what system he's in. But if you come down to it is can you see the field almost like a quarterback, right? Can you process information at the pivot position like a quarterback does? And I almost like to call it like living in the matrix. Can you see things before it happens? Which is, which is basically like pregame preparation, right? It's a lot of film study. It's a lot of formation studies, a lot of like knowing the defensive coordinator. And for example, what would he call on third and eight in the red zone in the third quarter? Like I'm watching the game and I'm like Spagnuolo's bringing up the blitz. He's bringing it all out because I know he's from the Jim Johnson tree from Philadelphia. And I know that's what they do, right? He's coming with, would come in with blitz zero at a certain part of the game. And guess what? Jalen Hurts saw it and got the ball out. So they studied for that. They knew it was coming, but that kind of preparation is what, because as a center, you're like a quarterback of the offensive line. You're trying to make everybody around you better. And that's by putting guys on the right guys and getting the offensive line moving in the right direction and getting the protection scheme all figured out before the ball's even snapped. How would you build a center? Because I, I look at Jason Kelsey and I'm like, where can I get one of those? You know, and, and it's hard because there are some guys that move from guard to center and you look at Kelsey and you go, well, he probably would have had a tight end body like his brother if that's mm -hmm. the route that he wanted to go. Where are you looking at, at tape and finding great centers? And can you, can you build one or are they, are they born and they're playing all the way up every level to become a great center? Yeah, so that's a great question, right? And you usually take your guy who is in your left tackle, but – can process information at the pivot and put everybody on the right guys and put him at center. Like I coach with Jason McKee at Carmel Catholic. And I'm always looking for a guy who can make my calls and, and get the offense line moving in the right direction. First and foremost. Now we talk about the NFL. There's probably a lot of guys who can do that. But when you look at Jason Kelsey, and here's the interesting thing about that question, you see who they surrounded him with mammoths. So he can pull wide. I used to think when I pulled, I had the easy block. Right, because I could pull, I could run, I could get out there in space, and I could block guys. The pin block on Hargrave is the hard block, the one-on-one -on -one block where you got to pin Hargrave down by yourself and keep him there is actually the hard block. So it, it, with the center, like I remember arguing with Jerry Angelo and saying, "You you got me." Who I love, Roberto Garza and Josh Beaton, but you, I'm the tallest guy walking out of the huddle. This doesn't make sense. You got to so if you have a pivot like Kelsey, you got to do what Roseman has done and surround him with big guys who can make blocks. Some of my best years, uh, Reuben Brown, right? They put Reuben Brown next to me. Uh, Rex Tucker, Chris Valerio, big, strong offensive guards. And I could use my athleticism to play. 
Nick Mangold is an opposite of Jason Kelsey. Big center, strong center. Um, I think about a big, strong center in the game right now. Ryan Jensen for Tampa Bay. So it's just you can find good centers. It's just when you get a really good one and put them there, make sure you build around the way he plays the game. And it's almost like a basketball team. I got to have guys who could do different things on my offensive line. So I'm not going to put a small guard next to a small center, next to a small tackle, right? I'm going to build myself an offensive line, and then I can pin and pull my center, or I can I can back block him as a big center would do and take a nose guard on one-on-one. So the scheme you're running has a lot to do with it. But the good coaches, what they do is they say, this guy does this, and he does this really well at Jason Kelsey, so why don't we pull him? They're running the same concept. They're running inside or outside zone. They're just pulling Kelsey when they do it. But remember who has the one-on-one blocks the left guard and the left tackle, and Kelsey's pulling for the perimeter guy, which he's actually better at. I'm fixated on how the Eagles are built, and I look at them and I go, is that a model that the Bears can use? When you look at the Eagles, do you see anything there that the Bears can duplicate considering they've got all this money in free agency Mm -hmm. and that number one draft pick? Well, you know me, Lawrence. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say you can build an offensive defensive line. Here's the problem, right? Culture matters. Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson have been there for almost 10 years, 10 years plus. So they built a culture that had been there a long time. So you're saying, okay, I look at Hallis Hall and I say, okay, who are my guys like that? Who are my guys who've been here 10 or 11 years and are Hall of Fame type players, all pro type players? I don't know. The Bears don't really have those guys right now. So as much as they are uh, a team you can copy and build like, uh, that stuff, I don't know if the Chicago Bears have yet. I don't know if they have those guys in the building have developed that culture. A lot of those guys are young and they're growing up and they're trying to develop those guys into those type of football players if we're talking about just the offensive line. Now, trading for a Brown, right, and putting a good wide receiver there. Um, you know, Fletcher Cox, another guy. What year did Fletcher Cox get there? I mean, 2011, 2012? Yeah, it's I don't been know. a long time. So, yeah, so all I'm saying to you, Lawrence, is – who do you think every day you walk in the building, who do you think everyone's looking at? Who do you think builds the culture? Fletcher Cox, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey. How long have they been there? Well, they've been there a long time. Brandon Graham, he's another one. Been there a long time. They have a core of players there who, if you would say, fly, Eagles, fly, we do it the Eagles way. They have a core of players who do it the Eagles way. How hard is what's being asked of Justin Fields right now? Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard, but I, but I think it almost looks like he. this is what he wants. It looks like it's not too big for him. It looks like he wants to be a star. I think we all know what he has to improve on. I think Ryan Pose knows what he has to improve on. I think the whole building, I think Justin Fields knows it. I think he accepts it. And But I think it's hard, but I also think he sees it as a huge opportunity. So it's really hard. Uh, that's why no one's really ever done it here in Chicago. Playing quarterback here is hard. Uh, uh, the media is, you know, everyone's following you. Everybody wants you to succeed. Uh, you're going to take a lot of criticism. Uh, everyone's watching you, right? I, I used to always say, man, I remember the first time I went to a New Orleans practice, there was like one guy on the fence, you know, one media guy <laughs> who watched practice. And I think they were selling beers uh, all, all across the fence at 8 in the morning. Listen, you come to Chicago, you go to practice, as you know, been there plenty of time. There's Hall of Fame writer, beat writers, right? Dan Pompey, Brad Biggs. I mean, these guys are hub archish. These guys are national media. So everything you do is talked about. But um, I don't know what you think, man. But, 
he made a, a really bad year. I know me and my family turned the TV on. We wanted to see what Justin Fields was going to do. We wanted to watch him. <laughs> he goes 60 yards out of nowhere. He didn't even know what the hell was going on, right? He's just out of a plain zone read, and he was gone. It's so, kind of amazing uh, that Dan and I were talking about it one day, and I was saying, you know, here we are. It's week 16, you know, and we're interested in the game mm-hmm, for a team mm-hmm. at that time that it lost eight games in a row. And you're mm-hmm. right. It's because – we didn't know what Justin Fields was going to do next, and we wanted mm-hmm. to be there for it. Now, I don't know if that's going to be good enough going forward, mm-hmm. no. but but for a year where you had a, a massive amount of change, him making Sundays like worth our while was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I wasn't around for Walter Payton, right? I wasn't around. I've been through, but I was on this. I was in that building for 13 years, played on a lot of offenses, had a lot of good football players, but somebody that dynamic on the offensive side of the ball in Chicago, in Illinois. I don't know, Lawrence. I, 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 somebody, you know, Devin Hester, when he returned punts. That's it. Soldier Boy used to hit. I mean, that, that was close, right? But um, this guy was worth watching uh, every Sunday that, that he stepped on the field. Um, like you're saying, can he stay healthy? Uh, can I, I think a lot of us are cheering for Jalen Hurst because we want to see someone like that win a Super Bowl, right? Like, okay, can he do it? And I, and I tell you the truth. Um, I had the Chiefs by a lot. The Chiefs proved the Eagles proved me wrong. I thought the Chiefs were going to win the game pretty easily, and Jalen played a football game. I didn't think he was. I mean, I didn't think he was going to play that well. Just looking through their schedule and who they had played, and but the plays he made throughout that game uh, were were extremely impressive to me. And then the drives where he was just running the ball, and they had to they had to respect the quarterback run, uh, made me think like, man, maybe this is possible here in Chicago. Wow. There's, right. there's so much there, but just, I mean, I loved what he talked about, the concept of matching guys together like a basketball team. The thinking of an offensive line, it's not just fill this, fill this, fill this, fill this. How do they relate to each other size, speed, skill? You have to really, like, I love the concept of, like, hey, build it like a basketball team. How do these parts fit together? How can we make it work? And you have to look at it as as balance, counterbalance. And I wonder, I wonder if Ryan Poles thinks like that, because of his experience of playing on offensive lines. I wonder if he thinks that way. I don't know. And he and Ian Cunningham both they've they've talked about it. They both have strong feelings, and and they've set the expectations on how we should judge their ability to scout and develop offensive linemen because they they kind of bragged about being good at it. Right. So let's see it. But I, I really do love, like, let's really think about how you're building an offensive line. Does this guy fit with this guy? Does Do these guys fit with what your quarterback does? And him talking about having a center that – he said, how do you describe, like, seeing the matrix? Yeah, being like, a step ahead. You, and that's what you have to have. And I understand that you know, Sam Mustafer is a guy that's very, very smart and probably even fits that mold as far as understanding what's getting ready to happen. Yeah, but it doesn't matter but if he's on But isn't physically his, yeah. able to, like, really make a difference in, in the way that you would want. If he's three feet back in, in the backfield off the snap, it doesn't matter that he knows what's coming. Right. I mean, I, I get it. There's plenty of smart people who can – but you, you got to be able to 
at least be stout enough to hold your ground to matter in that regard, but let alone climb to the next level. Right. Uh, uh, we need to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we need to revisit that uh, sports minute. What happened? I was I was talking with with Coom and Pat. I missed it. Well, some alert listeners didn't. We need we need to revisit something that happened in the Odyssey Sports Minute. Oh, okay, okay. All right, we can do that. We will next. Bernstein and Holmes, middays ten to two on Sports Radio six seventy The Score in Odyssey Station. This is Andrew Bogish with your Odyssey Sports Minute, sponsored by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. While you were sleeping, the Czech Republic beat China in the World Baseball Classic. The Czechs are the underdogs of this tournament, not even supposed to make the main event. When criminals in this world appear, bring the laws that they should fear, and frighten all who see or hear, the cry goes up both far and near for Underdogs. 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 Man, thanks to those who heard that. Andrew Bogish has now coined the term underdogs. The Czechs are the underdogs of this tournament. <laughs> You're the underdogs of the tournament. Dan, I, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm not certain of this, but I'm pretty sure that the underdog theme song ended up becoming like four different like hip-hop songs. Really? Yeah, and maybe one Rihanna song, too. I got to go check like the etymology of it. But I'm I'm pretty sure that that I can hear it. Yeah, like turned into a bunch of different songs. But that's different. That's underdog. That's not that's not underdog. Yeah, underdogs, which is different. That's a whole different thing. Are the underdogs of the tournament? The checks are the underdogs of this tournament. See, James, this is exactly what I was trying to not have happen. I'm. Like reviewing a lot of decisions I've made in the last forty-five seconds. <laughs> I hear James Fegan. Yeah, I went and got James Fegan out of the press box so that he could come and be a part of the chaos that is this box right now. Um, Beth is here, Pat is here, Coom is here, and now James Fegan is here of the Athletic, and he's nice there. enough to spend some time with us. Hi, James. Hi, Lawrence. How are you? Doing very well. Thank you for, for Thanks spending. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, man, look, if you want to host the show, you are more than welcome to host the show. I mean, this cough drop button is very, like, enticing to just press, even though it doesn't do anything except make me silent, but it, it looks so cool. If you have to cough, then you could hit it, and then you'd be good to go. I don't, but I want to do it anyway. But then. Feel free. We saw that you guys, I mean, I like it, you probably do every day here, had your conversation with Pedro Grafol. Yeah, I was late, and then he pretended he was done talking to everybody and walked away for a second. It was, it was a good bit. I, I, I give it 7 out of 10. All right, 7 out of 10. A couple notes, not a totally no notes? He could have been a little bit more natural, but yeah, I, I like that he's trying things uh, You know, a month into his tenure already. I got to tell you that after watching the White Sox go through like cutoff drills, and I know that 
they've done stuff like this in the past. I've, I'm impressed with the level of crispness that we're seeing with White Sox as they do drills. Yeah, I mean, that's their whole kind of organizing principle. This is something I was talking to Eddie Rodriguez, who, um, you know, Pedro Gafol kind of, I always thought he jokingly like, referred to Eddie as, like, running camp, but, I like, I, I made that opening joke to Eddie, like, so I hear you're running things, and he didn't say, like, oh, no, no, no. He's like, yeah, somebody's got to. So he's kind of got the, he, he's run a few camps before. He's the guy that Pedro wanted from the start to, to run and, and be really the administrator of, of all he's doing. And, you know, he's got a very, uh, you know, measured out idea of what he wants to do. He, he is very passionate about the idea that anybody standing around for any period of time is uh, harmful to their goals and is going to result in less engaged players. So, yeah. Christmas is, is is the the word that they're seeking uh, all the time. Yeah. James, we know that they've divided up their their practice periods or the the terms of this camp into manageable chunks of time. What we want to accomplish in the next three days, five days, etc. Is there a time when Pedro Grafal broadens that, or is that a is that a season long thing? Are they going to look at like the, the, a, a first grouping of regular season games? Is that just something he does no matter what, or is that just a spring training thing? I think that's going to be pretty consistent. I think it extends out to this is our goal for a road trip uh, sort of situation, but it, it doesn't sound like it's ever going to break beyond, you know, focusing on a couple series at hand, you know, not thinking about the division standings, but thinking about, you know, we got to beat the Mariners this weekend. That, that seems to be the organizing principle. And of course, the Pritchers are the biggest fans of it because they don't like thinking outside of five-day increments uh, already. I'm a little concerned, and I've been trying to figure out, like Dan was joking that I have a a – basket of red flags and I'm, I'm not i haven't gone into it yet but i've started to reach for it when it as it pertains to michael kopech and him only throwing a two-inning bullpen so far in spring should i be reaching for the red flag at this point or should i put my hand back in my pocket it's like something to watch i don't think you have like um it's not like you're uh, the, it's not like you're uncovering like the jfk assassination or something like yet it, it's just something like where I think it's maybe a similar situation to like Aaron Bummer, who threw his first bullpen yesterday. Like he's on track to be ready for opening day, but if something, if there is a setback at this point, there, there's not really this margin of error or this built up at like lead time uh, where maybe he's still on track because they, they're already the plan for him to build up is already targeted towards the home opener. It's already built on the idea that he's not, you know, playing in those first couple of games in Houston. So anything pushing them farther back or that doesn't respond as quick as they want now maybe you're looking at a different a different turn of the rotation and, and managing that so I, I don't think there's anything that's happened that's really put him behind what they already put on track but it, it's it was already a plan that was going to use up all of their time underdogs okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said i said to james when i went to go get him i said well if you come over and hang out and talk baseball with us that'll give us less time to do all of these penis jokes and he's like hey why why not like <laughs> i thought that me coming would stop it and you made it clear that it it was very unlikely that it would stop it. <laughs> and immaturity that's, knows that's, no bounds that's proving true that nothing my arrival has done nothing to stop the wave of uh, <laughs> underdogs i believe repeated every time well it's not like you guys aren't doing the same thing waiting for this game to start i was uh i was listening to very meaningful uh talks about mental health that I've had with players and how they process things and 
just everything of the highest maturity because that's the what checks are the underdogs of this tournament that's what baseball calls for at all times are you working on a story about that uh i mean there's more one specific interview underdogs or, or no or, no or, uh, mental health <laughs> just curious i was talking to uh, one player about how they processed like a bad year compared to how they do it like earlier in their career Interesting. I remember talking years ago to Paul Canerco about that. Because remember when he was in that the period of his career where it was kind of all or nothing? He was having like either a terrible year or a great year. And he was fascinating to talk about. Every time I've run into Paul Canerco, even if it's been group uh, like interviews, like he overanalyzes and technically explains mm-hmm. everything. He uh, you know talks endlessly about what he was feeling that day and the kind of... O- we would have been perfect for each other. We would have never left each other alone. I, I, I feel like I miss my soulmate in baseball. That I was not covering him while he was, uh, you know, in his torturously over considered prime. I found him to be the one of the most interesting athletes that's ever been in Chicago. I loved when because he wouldn't talk every day, but he would talk he enough. He, yeah, <laughs> it's stuff to do um, and ran out of things to say. But when he would talk. It was thoughtful. Like he would listen to your question and think of a response and then respond and not just let me go through the Rolodex of things that I can say to prolong this. He would actually consider your question before answering it, and then he would give you chapter and verse. But I can say with 100 absolute certainty that I have never taken a picture of my penis. (laughs) Well, let's put an end to that. Now, I I actually thought that... Canerco's relationship with Gordon Beckham may have not been the best thing for Gordo. That actually, where where he where Beckham was probably best, sort of out of his own head a little bit because Canerco was so cerebral. Yes, yeah, but it, but it takes a certain kind of mentality to be able to live there all the time in that sport. And I, I don't necessarily think it was it was the best sort of imprinting for for Beckham to be with him from the start of his career because like oh my god it just it seems so burdensome. I mean it's not just Beckham. I feel like it's most people. Like the level of tinkering you, like people talk about Canerco doing with his swing is just something you don't hear about at all. Like especially now when it's so much just a swing, a swing, a swing. Like Canerco is like switching up whether he has a stride or whether he has a leg kick like mid at bat all the time. I think the pitch clock would probably be hell on him because of how much he's kind of like adjusting and finding his stroke and looking for different things amid at bat. So I, I don't think there's really many guys who can operate the way Canerco is, let alone you know just put it on Gordon Beckham. Well, James, this has been this has been a thing. We really got people hyped for the season by talking about um, <laughs> underdogs and uh, so we do here, Paul James. Canerco. <laughs> And uh, what 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 tank Gordon Beckham? Well, well, we we did talk about Pedro Grifol. We did, right? and, and real quick, actually, before we let you go, are, are, I, I don't know is any, are people there aware of the latest post on Instagram from Olivia Feinstead today? It definitely was not addressed in the pregame briefing. I know I saw it. Okay, I just I, I just wasn't sure because it does sound like there's going to be more to this, and it sounds like that the reason why he didn't get a suspension was partially because he negotiated an agreement to get the treatment that she'd wanted him to get. So I just I didn't know if this advanced the story at all. I can't imagine any White Sox personnel comedy on this. I can't in, in any way. I can't, I can't either. James, you're a peach. <laughs> we appreciate you stopping by. He's a giant peach. He is. He's a good man and no, thorough. No, I've never heard that connection made before, James and the giant peach. 
not, not, not a mention of my childhood at any point. In time. I'm sure. No, not. I'm sure you weren't. That wasn't a thing at all that that happened. But you're a good man and thorough, and we appreciate you stopping by and hanging out with us. Thanks for having me. That is James Vegan of the Athletic. Am I supposed to go get Patrick Moody now? Is yes. That, yes. Well, so I my, am. So yes. my text said confirmed. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go get Patrick Mooney and then bring him in here. Thanks, Are you Lawrence. working on a story about that? Underdogs or <laughs> and and can we? Can, I mean, you know, James is James is a good. Oh, Patrick came in here on his own. Wow. Oh, we just reverse him out. Yeah. Oh, they did like an athletic fist bump too. This is outstanding. Oh, do, they like, do they have like some secret handshake thing? Yeah, they got like a secret gang handshake that they do and all that good Lame. stuff. Bye, James. Flash, um, so flashing athletic signs. <laughs> just it's just the A. Like that's that's all they're doing is they're putting the A down. But yeah, he's here now. So let's take a break, and then when we come back, we'll talk with Patrick Mooney about the Cubs on the score. Are you working on a story about that? Underdogs are. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.